All right, we're in part three of the power of Thanksgiving. You're thinking, Thanksgiving? That was a long time ago. We started this series three weeks ago, and this is the last session. And no, it's not an accident. I planned this on purpose, that we were going to do this Thanksgiving part three Even when Christmas decorations are up and all our minds are focused forward and here we go, Christmas. But we better not forget that Christmas is also all about Thanksgiving. It's all about the power of Thanksgiving. And so this is a on-purpose message as we focus on some interesting thoughts together today. And so the first interesting thought... I think it's interesting. I'll put on the screen, it reads this way. There is a danger for all of us who are often thinking forward. And that's the danger of forgetting to be thinking backward. And that's not a typo. Thinking backward. Now, this is particularly a problem at this season. Right at this moment when we're all geared up and looking forward. And we're all geared up and doing all the things that culturally is pressuring us to do to get in the season. And we're all thinking forward that now in particular, we got to be careful to pause and reflect and still be grateful and thinking backward. I say this because I'm preaching to me. It's a very bad habit of mine. I am a forward-thinking person to a fault where I forget to pause and reflect and be grateful and especially to express gratitude to those people I should be expressing gratitude for as I'm already on the next page three weeks out or more and thinking forward. Well, here we all are three weeks out thinking forward. Let's not forget this lesson. According to the statistics, one and only one out of 10 people are good at this thinking backward. And you're thinking, really? What study did that? Well, actually, it was a study done by Luke in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be taking a look at a study where only one out of 10, and so there's our statistic, was good at thinking backward. And we're going to be looking at this very interesting study. The title today is called Be the One, meaning be that one, not the nine. Be the one that is able to stop, reflect, and think backward and not just press forward, and that's the main lesson for today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17. We're going to be starting at verse 11. We're going to be in this section all morning, and here we go. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men, okay, here's our statistics starting here, 10 men who had leprosy met him, they stood at a distance. So let's push the pause button and just uh, get a little bit of background on what's going on here. So 10 men had leprosy, they approached Jesus. Now, What you need to understand is that leprosy as we understand it today with that word and label 
In the Old Testament, sometimes we superimpose it over all of the Old Testament teaching about infectious skin diseases because some of our older translations will translate leprosy for all those infectious skin diseases in Leviticus 13 and 14. But you read that and you know that. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's just... That tends to just go right by us, you know, Leviticus and all this teaching about, and when you're reading chapter 13 and 14, it's just like, what? Why is this in here? But all these infectious diseases, people uh, would, especially these skin diseases, would have to go see the priest and check it out and see what they were supposed to do. And so what I want us to understand, first of all, is in more modern translations, they usually footnote the word leprosy if they use the word leprosy in that section. And they will say infectious skin diseases because it's not just Hansen's disease, which is what we typically think of when we use the word leprosy. In Hansen's disease, it is is still uh, a big deal in third world countries. It sometimes crops up even in the United States recently. Um, Where it's that scary disease where literally there's a numbness and you can't feel anything and so you'll do things that will destroy your finger and not even know it and, and people end up losing fingers and toes, and it's, it's hideous. But this particular label in the Old Testament referred to lots of different infectious skin diseases. So the more recent translation of the NIV, for example, has st- struck out the word leprosy in the Old Testament, and they put infectious skin diseases. But as you'll notice, I'm in the New Testament, I just read leprosy. Because in the New Testament, the word we're dealing with is the Greek word lepros, where we get the term leprosy. And so they don't strike it out here, but it may include other infectious skin diseases. But what you need to understand in terms of background is this. It was horrible to have to go through having an infectious skin disease in the Bible days because of the Old Testament teaching to isolate people to protect the crowd. We know a little bit about that, okay? But it was way worse because you were isolated from your own family, you were ostracized from the community, you had to live on the outskirts of town, and so often there was groupings of infected people because you need social life. There would be groupings of infected people that are living in a homeless state trying to practice the uh, code of the law which included that you're supposed to wear rags as clothing so you could signal to others that you're infectious. You had to wear a face mask (laughs) with wrapped cloth that would go up above your upper lip. And so it was like a signal to everybody that you had leprosy. And in fact, you had to shout, unclean, unclean, if you approached anybody so that you give fair warning to anybody else to back off. Okay, so there's some background there. Now, I got to catch up to my notes here. So I got this from a Bible dictionary. The diseased person must live alone outside the camp where torn clothes keep his or her hair disheveled, cover his or her upper lip, and cry out, unclean, unclean, See Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. So I want you to imagine this. We already, in our word, we have diseases that are like super diseases that we all fear. 
we, we almost don't like to say the word, you know, the C word, cancer. For them, the L word, leprosy, was worse than we view cancer because in addition to the, the fear that's involved when you see what's taking place bodily, it, there's the isolation that's involved and the separation that's involved. For years and years and years, you're literally separated from your own loved ones. And so they would approach and supply the needs to these people who are living like homeless people that cannot have jobs, cannot have incomes, cannot be close enough to beg very well without people getting angry at them. And so you're relying on people that love you enough to come close enough to get food drop off and figure out the food drop off thing. And you're just miserable. I mean, I don't even know anybody who lives in existence that miserable. And so they would commonly gather together in impromptu leper colonies. And hence, we have 10 guys living together, not all of them necessarily with Hansons, but I want you to picture the scene, okay? Imagine being there. You're outside of town, so where do you huddle? Someplace hidden, someplace people aren't gonna find you. So picture a wash or an arroyo. Picture in the night that you are now cold and so you're making a fire and you're all huddled around it and picture the scene some of them do have missing toes and fingers some of them do have a face that look more like cadaver faces some of them do look like they have barnacles on their skin growing in their skin some of them could even be so bad as to have only stumps for feet with no toes and stumps for hands with no fingers or anything in between Others may have other infectious skin diseases that isn't identified as our Hansen's disease that we typically associate, but they're all lumped together because they still haven't been set free officially as uninfectious by their priests according to their law. That's the background. Picture then these men gathered around the fire having a conversation about the fact that here this rumored Jesus is coming to their community, and oh, by the way, he touched and healed a leper in such and such a community, and now they're having a conversation about what they're gonna do about that fact that this Jesus is coming to town. <laughs> okay, anyway, Jesus is coming to town, and uh, so they're... they're Maybe have this conversation and maybe one of them says something like, oh, come on, what do we have to lose? Let's hide somewhere, pop out and say, Master, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Are you kidding me? They're gonna all pick up stones and stone us. He's never anywhere without a crowd. Okay, so they have this conversation. What do we have to lose? Well, we've just read that they decided to take the first step. So they find a spot to hide, they anticipate the main road, and Jesus comes to town. And so then we'll continue in the story. Verse 13, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So are you ready for point number one? Be the one. 
Point number one, be the one that risks the first step. All 10 of them risked the first step. Dare to approach Jesus, okay? The hope was there. The rumors were there. They understood that he had been healing crowds. They needed healing. It was a scary thing even to go to the source because of the crowds, and they dared to go there, all 10 of them. They risked the first step. But then Jesus does the thing they didn't expect him to do. They expected him, if he's going to do this, he'll come up to us and touch us like we heard he did, and he'll pray for us and we'll be healed, and he didn't do that. He said, go, go see the priests, show yourselves to the priests. Long pause, they're thinking, okay, we're not healed, we would only go to the priests if we were healed, is this a test? I bet you one of them finally said, Yes, this is a test. What do we have to lose? (laughs) Let's try it. And they have Old Testament stories that are like this, where somebody is tested and has to keep going into the next level, next level, and finally it comes. So let's try it. So one of them leads the crowd, and all 10 of them go. I, I can't help but wonder if Jesus says it with a smile. Let's see how you... How you do with this. I also, in this passage, find it fascinating that there's an omniscience that Jesus will sometimes display. And then in some occasions, just like our own experience, it's like omniscience or what is going to happen next is withheld from him as a man. Because he's absolutely expected one thing and got something else that we'll read about. So they go off to go see the priest. Now, here's the thing. We already read the fact that as they were going, Luke, is this the understatement of the year? As they were going, they were cleansed. Okay, let's just picture this. All of these people with leprosy, they started going, and somewhere along the way, they're starting to look at each other. There's no mirrors except for each other. And, and maybe they felt something too. And it's like, oh my. And literally, they're seeing these stumps grow fingers. These, the, the barnacled flesh is now, the barnacles are disappearing. No CGI. Okay? And it's just like coming down, coming down, and it's like normal supple flesh, it's all coming back. They're like jumping up and down, looking at each other and pointing to each other, and just like hooping and hollering and screaming. They can't believe it. It worked. They can't believe it. They're all jumping up and down. Then they start running. Nine of them start running to go get the official, you are clean, because as soon as they're declared clean, they can go see the kid that was born that they haven't ever, ever been able to touch or hold. To feel their hair with hands it couldn't feel before. To hug their wife. To get on with their life. To look forward and have hope again. They ran to get that clean bill of health. Enter back into society. Start your life again. All but one of them. And the one that didn't run toward the priest was a Samaritan. 
He went the other way. He decides to go back and thank Jesus. We need to be like the one, not the nine. That's what we learn as we keep reading. So, everybody's hooping and hollering. Everybody's jumping up and down. Everybody is grateful. But is it gratitude if you never express thankfulness to its source? Is that form of gratitude something different than gratitude? Is it just the celebration of your own happiness? And if you're only celebrating your own happiness instead of expressing your gratitude towards the source, doesn't it seem like a self-centered kind of expression of gratitude? So forward-thinking about how their life is put back together again that just the source is ignored by nine who knew more than the Samaritan about a Messiah to come. Oh, the Samaritans were quite aware of a Messiah coming. Read John 4. But the Samaritans were half-breeds that were disbarred from temple worship many centuries earlier because of their compromise during the exile. They tried to come back and help rebuild the temple. No, you can't because you've totally blown it. So they built their own temple somewhere else, and they were on the outs with the Jews, except for when you have a commonality like leprosy and you don't have any unity anywhere else, you join together with even Jews, because you're all on equal ground. You have leprosy. That's on the surface of the skin. Aren't we all on equal ground? We are all sinners. Be the one, point number two, that rushes to respond. Be the one that rushes to respond. The one, a Samaritan, rushed to respond to the giver of the gift. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. So only one stopped his forward progress toward the priest to get the clean bill of health and went back to praise God in a loud voice. The danger for us today lies in becoming so consumed with our forward-thinking goals, ambitions, and dreams that we forget to look back and express gratitude. If we're not careful, the busy season of Christmas can exacerbate this tendency in us to forget to look back and express gratitude. How, how ironic is that? That Christmas, that's supposed to be expressing gratitude to the greatest gift ever given to humanity, is ignored for all our forward-thinking, ambitious goal to have a great Christmas happiness without gratitude experience. Ooh, that's dangerous. So, be the one, point number three, that reciprocates with thanks. Reciprocates with thanks. All you guys who are thinking of the saw, yeah. 
the reciprocation saw, okay, so one thing, one person does this, and it comes back this way. And one person does this, and it comes back this way. If a good is received, a good should be expressed back for the good received. It's an expectation. It's not just a tit for tat. It's not if somebody gives you a good gift. Oh, shoot, I've got it. They went on my list. I better go out and shop and buy it. No, it is the actual expression of gratitude, not a tit for tat. Reciprocation is expected in covenant with God. Do you understand that? Gratitude is expected by the God who's the source of everything we can be grateful for. And here's the thing. I imagine in the 10 people, nine of them, one of them may have said, isn't it great that you guys listen to me? Like, I said, well, like he was the source. Aren't you so glad you decided to join me in this endeavor? Like it, he came up with it. No, the source is Jesus, okay? And that's important to get a hold of. Reciprocating with a grateful thank you is a good thing to do. Ignoring the person who has done a good thing for you is a bad thing to do. Ignoring God who does a good thing is a really, really bad thing to do. He's the source of every good thing you've ever experienced. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. So, we continue reading. He came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, that's an interesting two sentences put there. He praised God in a loud voice and threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. On the screen is another quote. Something happened to one of them that went more than skin deep. He put two and two together. Actually, he put one and one together. One God, one Savior are somehow connected in this instant. It was obviously God's power that has done this. And this Savior is God's means for getting this to me. I'm praising God loudly to the whole crowd. They're not afraid of him now. Whoa, what happened to you? And then he throws himself down in a prostrate position. By the way, when you sing those songs, it's not prostate. It's prostrate. (laughs) Prostrate. Okay, that means face down, all right? (laughs) Threw himself in a face down position in this position that's like worship. And and you read in many cases where that's the position before God when you're worshiping God at the most humblest of positions you can take. Face plant down. Lowest position. Jesus does not correct him. In fact, what he does is affirm him, and he wonders about the rest. So uh, on the back side of your outline, there, there's a study for small groups, but it's also a great study for individuals if you want to look up all those verses that help us to see that in the New Testament there's this pattern, this Christ-centered pattern of praising God, that when you praise God, the best way to do it is through 
praising Jesus himself. So look at those verses. It's an interesting pattern because that's precisely what this Samaritan does. He praises God and thanks Jesus. That's what we do. Because one and one is the one. Okay? We're still talking about this mystery of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And something has happened to this guy that he sees that this is the Messiah, the Savior. So if God, who is the source, is not the center of your gratitude, what is the center of your gratitude? Your own happiness? God's the source, not us. So by failing to glorify God and return thanks to Jesus, the nine missed the greatest possible moment of their experience in life. The greatest possible moment in life was then and they missed it. All they received was skin deep. The Samaritan we discover received something more. So, point number four, be the one that receives more. Be the one that receives more. Verse 19, then he said to him, Now, did I finish reading 17 and 18? I'm just going to read it. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, he wasn't really putting him down, but he's talking to a completely Jewish audience. And it's like helping them to see that he is seeing something that they're not seeing yet. And now we have this Verse 19, then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, I don't want you to think that that means the other nine are well as well. They are well physically, but he received more. The word translated well here is the word sozo. The word sozo means saved. You are now saved, rescued, made well. By the way, soter means savior. When a soter sozos you, a savior saves you. And he says now to this person, it's because of your faith that you get to go home saved. So we need to kind of untangle that a bit and see what that means. Ten were healed physically, but only the one was healed through and through physically and spiritually. On the screen, I put it together like this. His believing response connected his faith with Jesus personally. He did not achieve salvation by his faith response. He received it. That is, he received his salvation as a gift from Jesus. Something happened in him when he was healed physically where he felt like, this is from Jesus. This is from God. That's a faith response. I believe that this is an act of God that came through Jesus and he goes back to say so, shouting praise and giving thanks. And what does he receive when he expresses his faith, his believing faith in that way? Jesus says, you have been made well. You are saved. Because something inside saw something. The eyes of his heart saw something that nine people missed. Jesus is being used by the Father to save people. 
Okay? It's what we need to see that. That Jesus is used by the Father to save people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We celebrate Christmas as the greatest gift, not because a baby was born to a virgin alone, but a savior is introduced into the world supernaturally with a supernatural result that's going to take place through his supernatural actions that takes place on why he came to die on a cross, to absorb our sins. I wonder if every disease he healed, he feels power go out of him. Because we do have senses and power goes out of him when he heals. Is that kind of absorbing, absorbing the stain of the sin that's all over this world? He's absorbing all of our sins and he takes them all to the cross to release us from our spiritual leprosy our infectious spiritual disease. Be the one that receives more. Are you going to be like the nine? Or will you be like the one? Will you be the one who risks the first step? Will you be the one who rushes to respond to God's grace? Will you be the one who reciprocates with thanksgiving for new mercies every day? Will you be the one who receives more every day? More grace, more mercy, more of Jesus, more joy, more happiness. God is the source. I'm not. That's where real life, abundant life, full life is found in Jesus. If you're struggling today, don't be like the nine. Take a step. Take the next step like the tenth. Receive more. Declare before Jesus you thank him for what he has done. You have to run. You have to rush. You have to see. You have to take the risk. What do you have to lose? I'm going to ask the prayer team uh, to, in a moment, go to your prayer area. We're going to see a video announcement that's very important in a moment. But right now, I just want to thank everybody for coming. I want to thank you for being here. If you're a guest today, I hope that you would f- grab a Connect card from, it's almost hidden in your chair, in some of the chairs where it the, says Connect right on the front, uh, sinks down in the seat, and fill that up quickly. You can go over to the information table, hand it in. We'd love to get back to you and kind of make some more connections, but receive a gift bag that helps you also make those connections. Also, want to point you to the prayer cards. If you have any need for prayer, want some miracles in your life, fill it out. Put it in the, uh, the offering boxes just in the back there and put your prayer request in. The staff will be praying for you tomorrow. Or if you want prayer right now, the prayer team after the video will be over in the prayer area.